to the Very Well Mind podcast. We've interviewed over 100 authors, experts, entrepreneurs, athletes, musicians, and others to help you learn strategies to care for your mental health. This episode is hosted by psychotherapist and best-selling author Amy Morin. Now let's get into the episode. Have you ever thought about how there are several ways to tell the same story? Let's say you encounter three huge challenges in one day. When someone asks you how your day was, do you share a story about how you were the victim of unfortunate circumstances? Or do you share a story that paints you as the hero who was somehow able to get through constant adversity? Both versions of the same story might be true, just told from a completely different perspective. That's what we're talking about on the show today how to tell yourself helpful stories. It's actually something we use in the therapy office quite often. There's even a whole type of therapy called narrative therapy that involves storytelling. But you don't necessarily need to see a therapist to learn how to do this. In fact, my guest today can help you learn how to do this right now. Today, I'm talking to Kendra Hall. She's the chief storytelling officer at Success Magazine. She's a popular keynote speaker too, And she teaches companies and individuals how to use strategic storytelling to communicate their message. She's also a best-selling author. Her book, Stories That Stick, came out in 2019. It's a business book aimed at helping businesses learn how to communicate the value of their brand and their products through the use of stories. Her new book, Choose Your Story, Change Your Life, is a self-help book. In it, she explains how you can tell the same story several different ways And all versions of the same story might be true, but the version you choose makes a big difference to your mental health. Some of the things she talks about on the show today are how to recognize the unhelpful stories you tell yourself, how to shift your perspective, and how changing those stories can improve your well-being. So here's Kendra Hall on how choosing to tell yourself different stories can help you grow mentally stronger. Kendra Hall, welcome to the Very Well Mind podcast. Oh, Amy, I am so happy to be here. So I've been a big fan of you for a long time, and I was so excited that you have now written a new book called Choose Your Story, Change Your Life. Yeah. One of the, I guess, biggest questions I have is I saw originally this is going to be a business book, and then you put it in the self-help category. What made you decide to change your mind and make it more of a self-help book or to reach out to more of the self-help audience rather than the business audience? You know, it was it was a decision that was kind of me releasing fear. So my first book, Stories That Stick, was all about storytelling, which so is the new book, uh, but storytelling in business, like the four key stories that every business needs to have. Um, I was a business author. And, you know, so, so that's kind of already where I was set. And as this book came together and as I was writing it, and even after I finished it, I knew that this wasn't, I mean, it's a book that will help you in business because for anyone to be good at what they do professionally, there's a lot of uh, stories that we have to work on. Uh, But I knew that it wasn't a business book. And I was nervous because that's that's an interesting shift to make as still relatively new author. But yeah, I felt like that designation, more personal development, personal growth was a more accurate depiction of what this book was really about. I'm glad that you changed it. As a therapist, I work with a lot of people on figuring out how do you change your story? 
And it's not that your story is wrong in the way that it's written now, but that there's a lot more than one way to tell the same story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you just talk a little bit about, you say in your book, like we become our stories. So can you talk a little bit about why we need to change the stories that we tell ourselves? Well, we have it. We have at any given moment, at all times, just a, a running narration of of stories, and and really, it's all the experiences across our entire past, our history. Our brain collects these things and uses it as as evidence, as you know, um, inspiration in some ways. But sometimes the inspiration isn't that inspirational. It can keep you from doing things, uh, or even. I've even found recently that it's not that it's keeping me from doing something new, but it's my stories will tell me that what I am doing is good enough when what I really desire is, is something bigger, something grander. And so as we make our decisions, as we act in the world, as we behave, we're doing it with these stories in mind, whether we know it or not. And so these stories can either move you forward or keep you where you are or in some place, bring you backwards. And then if you're at that point where you're ready for a change, you're ready to pursue something else, then the stories you tell yourself might have to change. What's an example of one of your stories that you've changed? Oh gosh. I see here's the this and you know this. This is the hard thing about writing a book like this is it's very vulnerable and it's not like you write this book, you put it out and you have it all figured out. Um I just realized so this is risky to share. I will admit because Amy, it was literally this morning. Um the morning that we're recording this podcast. You know, I've been reaching out. I've been uh, not reaching out, but doing different events and leading live trainings all about changing the stories that are limiting us. And when you do that over and over and over again, you know, at some point you realize, wait, I have a story that's holding me back. So for me, for example, and everybody's stories are different, but I have definitely um, come to a place where I'm thinking my stories are saying you'll never be as um, impactful as name the person you'll never make as big of a difference. Yes. And, and then it comes out in very, in lots of different ways. Like so-and-so has this many followers. You only have this many, your message is smaller. It will never be. And, and there were moments I remember. So as I go through the method, analyzing where this belief is coming from, I remember the day it was, it would have been like seven years ago. I was visiting my sister-in-law in San Francisco um, and she lived in the area, a really cute area of town. And as we were walking, my sister-in-law pointed out and said, that's Danielle Steele's house. And it's it's not a house. It's like a, it's like a compound in, in San Francisco. It's this huge, everything you would think it would be. It's, a, it's enormous. And I looked at it and thought, oh, well, I will, it's too late for me. I will never be able to do that. And whether I want to buy a huge compound in San Francisco or not, that's not the point, right? But I decided right then and there that no matter what work I did, it would never equate to something like that. Um, and that story came back to me this morning and I thought, what the heck are you doing there? Like, why are you there? Why am I letting that story keep me from everything I want this book or my life to 
mean in the world. So I'm working on that right now. A new story for that. Thank you for sharing that brand new one that you're working on as we speak. How do you rewrite it then? So that's where, I mean, it's right again, it, this was just a few hours ago. So there are a few different options. Um, and the first one is, and it's not necessarily, yeah, rewriting it, but the act of choosing a better story instead of, I will never have a house in San Francisco like Danielle Steele, um, because I'm not, I don't have what it takes to look, to replace that limiting story with a story from my past of where I had more than enough of what it takes. Um, so I found a story back when I was in college, as a matter of fact. Um, and I was, it was my senior year of college and I went to this little private Lutheran college. So it's not like some big, co- we had like 300,000 or 3,000 students on like a really good day. Um, and nobody skipped class and there were a bunch of visitors. So we... I was, I was organizing this big event for family weekend and putting all this energy and, and all this excitement. And, and, you know, you have those moments where you're questioning yourself or whatever. And the head of the alumni committee who was in charge of all of it pulled me into his office. And he said, Kendra, you know, there's something in you. There's something really special in you. And I'm so excited to see the big things you do with your life. And And that right there, like I can remember exactly where I was standing. I remember exactly how I felt. I remember how I felt after I walked out of that office. And and that story, telling that story to myself now, as I'm thinking, oh, I can't be this, to tell myself a story of when someone saw something great in me helps to quiet that other negative story that is, is keeping me from what's possible. I like that because so often we replay those moments in life where somebody insulted us or we felt Mm. offended and we forget those stories where somebody maybe inspired us or saw something great in us. And they can be really, I think one of the key things that I learned as I was, I took a group of participants through this method to, to walk them through it and see the changes that happened even in a short period of time, even with a small group of people. And one of the things that kept coming up was how even really small stories can matter, right? So so even one little thing that happened to us in second grade, we carry with us if it was something negative or, or a story that our brain can use to help keep us safe. And something as small as, like there was one gentleman who was really trying to work at, um, getting healthier. He was carrying extra weight. He wasn't prioritizing his health and and he knew it was a problem. And yet he just couldn't get on his exercise bike that was in his house. Like he just couldn't get himself to do the behaviors. And then he remembered this one story of another time in his past where he was taking care of himself and a fellow colleague that he worked with stopped him in the hallway at the office and said, Will, you're looking really good. Whatever you're doing, keep it up. And that really small moment he wrote it on a post-it. He wrote the guy's name on a post-it, put it on his bathroom, like in his bathroom mirror where he keeps his toothpaste and everything. He opens it up. There's the post-it, that story. And he tells himself that really small story every morning. It's right there on the post-it. And he found himself getting on his bicycle, making healthy, going to the grocery store instead of just picking up fast food. Something that small can make 
significant difference. That's a great idea to write it down in a place where you are reminded because it's hard to remember those positive stories, I think, in those moments when we need to hear those messages the most. And I agree. Sometimes it's these little things that happen, moments in time that for one reason or another get ingrained in our brains and can change the way that we act. It can make a big difference in our lives. I'll give you a ridiculous example. When I was in the first grade, our teacher had us do this exercise where it said, my hair is, and there was a blank and you had to fill in the word. So most kids said like, my hair is brown. My hair is long. I said, my hair is messy. And my teacher said, oh, honey, you don't have messy hair. It's just kind of curly. And because it, it was always very messy. Show me that was a bad thing to say I had messy hair. And then when I was in like the third grade, it was picture day. And my hair was always messy, no matter what. And we were in line to get our picture taken, our little school photo. And the teacher came over and said, did your mom not have time to comb your hair today? (laughs) And I said, oh, no, she did. But it was already really messy by noontime or whatever time it was. And I went home and I told that story to my mom, like, oh, my teacher said you probably didn't comb my hair today. My mom was mortified, of course. But it was like in that moment, I decided it was bad to have messy hair and that people think you didn't comb your hair. So for like the next 25 years, I straightened my hair every day. Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) And I was always wondering, wait, why do I straighten my hair if it's actually curly? And looking back, I thought, I think those were the two moments in life that I thought curly hair is somehow messy and that's bad and that people are going to think you didn't comb your hair. I mean, I finally like kind of embraced the fact that it is messy. I know, I love that way. But (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think? That's something that happened when I was like six and probably eight years old. And I think it just sort of got ingrained. And I never really connected the dots to think, why do I straighten my hair all the time, even though it's a complete waste of time. But there's so many of those moments, I think, in life that we go visit a friend, something happens, you have a, a simple conversation or something, you pass by a stranger and they say something. And for whatever reason, those moments stick and get ingrained in us and it can affect the stories that we start to tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is, and so knowing that this happens, like we're not going to stop that from happening. That's why I was, I always talked about the power of storytelling in business. Stories are the thing that we remember that they are the thing that sticks with us. So we can't stop that, but we can then choose which stories we put on repeat, which stories we let dictate our our future and and it's until we like stop cuz the automatic ones aren't necessarily right the story from second grade and then from third grade it's there and unless you intentionally say wait so that's where this is coming from i am not going to tell myself that story anymore or i'm not going to let that story make me straighten my i mean you live in florida no one can straighten their hair right. in florida it's a losing like, battle it really it really is and so you know part of this what i'm hoping people take away from this if nothing else it's the awareness of the stories that are in their life every day the ones that are that they don't realize are there and then i mean the bonus would be to start recognizing the great stories as they happen around us and and stories that we can use. So for example, another limiting belief that I have that that comes up, it's triggered when things are busy or when I'm tired. Um, And it's, I can't, I can't do it all. I don't, I don't have time. I'm not going to be able to do any of that. I can't do this. And, and it'll shut me down. Or if nothing else, it'll just 
siphon off the joy that I should feel from doing work that I love, right? Um, And then one day I picked my son up from school. My son son and I are very similar in so many ways. He's 10 years old. Um, And we were walking home from school and he said, well, today was kind of an emotional day. I was like, all right, well, tell me about it. And he said, well, we just got so much homework. We have four sheets of math and, and I have to finish my personal narrative, which by the way, he was already done with. So I'm not sure. And he listed off like one other thing. And I said, oh, and he's like, and I just, I just broke down because I don't know how I'm going to get it all done. And for me, I'm like, oh, 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 I can, I can hear this in there. So I suspended judgment in that moment. I said, well, let's go home. Let's see what we can do. Sure enough, we get home. He cruises through his math homework. He's really good at math. He puts the finishing touches on whatever writing assignment it was. He does the other thing and he's done with like three hours to spare. And I said to him, okay, so remember when you felt really overwhelmed at school about how you wouldn't be able to get all this done? And he said, yes. And I said, so the next time you feel that way, I want you to remember today that you got, you were so overwhelmed, but you had so much more time than you ever thought because you're really good at the work that you're doing. And then for me personally, so that's a story he can use, but that's a story I can use. That the next time I'm freaking out and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I can't get, there's no way I can get all this done. I can remember the story with my son and that he's good at what he does and he had plenty of time to do it all. And you know what? I'm good at what I do. There's never been a day where I really didn't get the things done that I needed to get done. Um, So that was a story I witnessed right there in the moment. And now it becomes a tool that I can use when I know that that's a frequent uh, negative story loop that, that needs to be worked on. So two things about that that I love. Number one, recognizing that emotion. Our emotions definitely trigger certain stories. It affects the way we think. They cloud our judgment. Whether you're anxious, you start to think about all the bad things that could happen when you're overwhelmed. You feel like you don't have the capacity to do the job all of those sorts of things. So just recognizing, okay, this emotion affects my judgment. And then the next time I have this emotion, I'm probably going to think the same thing, but that Mm -hmm. helps you get a hold of it and realize that that story might not be true. But I also like that you borrowed his story and you can use it in your own life to be able to look at somebody else's story. Like, okay, when they felt this way, this is what they did. I tend to do the same thing. What can I learn from it? Yeah. I, I think that's a really, especially if you're, you know, for me raising my kids, it's so interesting. I use their stories all the time because they are, they're like little in their own way, little, uh, mini versions of me. And in other ways, like my daughter is very different from me and I find inspiration in her stories all the time. Um, in things that I need to do differently and her stories are right there. And that actually, that's another, strategy that I recommend is if you can't find any better stories in your own life, if you really feel like you're looking, you can't find a story that you can choose that will help rewrite the current narrative to look to other people and see if there are stories there that you can use for inspiration. The only caveat to that is that there's like a fine line between using someone's story as inspiration and it like backfiring on you and it becoming, you know, when so many people get worked up about comparison and feeling good enough or feeling, uh, sometimes if you have any of those feelings, like you're using someone else's story to inspire your own, but then all of a sudden you start to feel like you're not good enough or that inspiration sours a little bit. It's time to leave that story and find a different one. Cause that one isn't going to serve you. 
That makes sense. And I think it's important to look at uh, other times, maybe somebody we look up to, but don't just look at their successes. Sometimes look at the troubles that they had along the way. When Mm -hmm. we looked at high school students and we said, okay, we're going to tell all of these science students about successful inventors and really successful scientists and astronauts and all these historical figures and tell them how successful they were, they noticed that the students' grades actually declined. Yeah. So then they start telling them stories of how Einstein failed and Edison invented a bazillion other things that actually didn't work. Students' grades went back up because they thought, oh, it's okay to take a chance. I can guess if I don't know the answer. I can put myself out there because we know that, yeah, these people ended up being successful, but they failed along the way. Well, and it, it goes, it, it's an important thing to remember that we don't always know people the way we think we do right? Like that's why the big complaint about social media or any of the celebrity stuff is you're going to see the glamorous pictures on the cover, but you're not necessarily going to see their failures broadcast. And and yeah, that's, that's an important side of the story. Um, mm. And speaking of social media, you share a lot of stories on your Instagram channel, very personal stuff, but you do it in a way that it makes you vulnerable as well. What's that like to share stories on Instagram? You know, I, it is, it's, it's part of my, I suppose it's part of the job, but it also isn't. Uh, if you want to know the truth about my Instagram, um, I, though I'm sharing stories on there, obviously for an audience and I'm a story, that's who I am first and foremost, like sharing stories, um, is where my passion for storytelling started. And yes, they are, of course, for the people on Instagram who are tuning in and following along. And, um, but they're also for me. It's kind of where I keep my best stories. And they're not always like the perfect stories, right? They're when there was a, a challenge or, or maybe I had a limiting belief and how I worked through it. If they say that Instagram or social media is a highlight reel, then why not go look back at your own, right? So, so I go back and look on, on a day that I need it. I go back and, and reread my stories. Um, and it's kind of like my own little toolbox of stories that I can tell myself from my own Instagram. So it's for you, but it's kind of for me. <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah. For people who want to know, like, gosh, I don't even know what my stories are. I don't know how to recognize them or figure out what's not a true story. Where do people start? I would say that the first step is catching these stories. Remember, they are automated. They're invisible. I equate them to the rats in New York City, right? Where you can you can go an entire day and not see a rat, but there is definitely a rat really close to you. It's just hiding. You don't know what's there. Um, and so the first step is being able to catch these stories in the act. So I would recommend, um, and there's a couple of different ways to do it, but two things that instantly stand out, um, and they're two very different things. But A, if you ever find yourself procrastinating, uh, there's a story there. And so whenever I'm not, like I was procrastinating, putting together this deck for a keynote that I had coming up, and I just, I wasn't doing it, and I wasn't doing it. And and the, the deadline was out there, but I knew it. I wasn't, doing it. And procrastination, I now know, is a sign that there's um, some stories about 
feeling like stories of insecurity or stories of fear. Um, and so I, I know I'm like, okay, where, where is this coming from? Anytime you're procrastinating, there's probably some stories there that are keeping you from taking action. So that's a good signal for you. And then I would just say to do little gut checks throughout the day. Amy, I know you're a runner. Um, so when you're running to at some point in the run, don't actually stop, but mentally stop and say, what, what's happening in my head right now, right? Is, is what is, are the stories that are going through my mind good or are they, am I beating myself up as I'm beating myself up running? Cause you know, we feel differently about running. You and I do, or, um, even in the shower I find, so here could be something you could do tomorrow is as you're in the shower and you're pumping the shampoo to put it in your hair, stop for a second and say, all right, what, what am I telling myself right now? And what are the stories that are propping up that statement? I often feel the most overwhelmed, that feeling of overwhelm. I'm not going to get it all done when I'm in the shower in the morning or when I'm walking home from either dropping my kids off from school or walking home from soul cycle. And that's when the story starts. You're not going to be able to get it all done. You can't handle what's coming for today. And I got to stop it and choose better ones. And do you find it often all goes back to like one unhealthy belief? It just comes out in lots of different ways. So for example, I grew up with every teacher I ever had also putting on my report card stuff like she's painfully shy. She never talks. So the fact that I grew up and now have a podcast and I'm a speaker is really strange thing for my brain to then be like, but I was that person that never talked. But I think if you looked at a lot of the areas of my life, certain behaviors were probably because I had believed that I'm shy. So I sit in the back and I don't talk or I'm shy. So I do this or I don't put myself out there. And so it would have taken a long time, I think, to connect all of those dots of, oh, yeah, because as a kid, you were told this story. And then as I grew up, I believed it. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that there are there are those like fundamental beliefs that we have. And, and when we did, we did a survey to see like, what is, okay, what do you think is the number one thing that's holding you back right now? And the number one response was, I am not enough. And then there were little variations of that. It's smart enough, um, young enough, skilled enough, experienced enough, whatever it was. But it was this feeling of enoughness. And it was enough that it's kind of like there there was, it was all the way, you know, like I'm not outgoing enough um, that, yeah, it can kind of sprout in all these different directions. But they're usually all tied together. And as a therapist, I'm not surprised to hear you say that that's exactly what people answered in the survey. Because everybody that would come into my therapy office, it was usually that. I'm not... I'm not good enough in some way, shape or form. And because they had that deep feeling that they just somehow weren't good enough, it affected how they felt about themselves, how they behaved. And often if you truly believe that, you act in a way that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because you don't put yourself out there. You don't want to try because you think I'm not going to succeed anyway. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then as you go back and 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 trace back your steps and say, oh, wait, yeah, I didn't feel like enough in kindergarten. I didn't feel like enough uh, for this exam. I didn't feel like enough because I got passed over for this job interview. But there's so, but there's so many other areas of your life where you were more than enough, right? And we just forget those. I don't, I don't know what it is. So, so how do we change our lives when we say, okay, I'm going to change this story? What kinds of things can we expect to happen? It, it it starts small, 
right? Like I had a day where I was telling myself, I was struggling, it was December, 2020. And I was really struggling on the exercise front. A lot of stories that were just like, eh, you don't need even, it's, you know, it's okay if you don't, it's the pandemic, it's whatever. Um, and then one day I decided to just try telling myself a few of the stories of when I felt my best, when I was keeping my promises to myself, when I was moving in a way that I knew made me feel really good. And just telling myself three quick stories of very specific nights, like a wedding I was at, um, a, a benefit, a charity benefit I went to, and this guy I dated in graduate school named Pool Boy. Um, but so there were just these three like very specific moments and all of a sudden, I felt capable or desired to go get on my spin bike. And so it's just those little, you know, when we try to change our habits, we so often go right to the behavior, changing the behavior. But there's that slice of time right before the behavior, which is where our stories are. And, and so I think the first difference you'll see is it'll be one step in the right direction. And then with each one of those one steps, everything can change. And sometimes, sometimes it is a really big step. I had someone realize a story that she's been telling herself her whole life. And it was just one day. And she was like, wait, I am done with that story. I'm telling myself this other story. And her career took off. Like it was, it was like an instant shift. I find for the most part, it's small things. And if for nothing else, just to find more uh, satisfaction in the life that we do have. I agree completely. So often we talk about change your behavior first. But when people come into my office and they're like, okay, I'll do this. And they 100% believe whatever they're about to do is not going to work. It doesn't work. Whether it's yes. I'm going to try a medication to ease my depression. I'm going to try this one thing that's supposedly going to help my anxiety, whether it be meditation, yoga. If they believe with their whole heart that nothing is going to work and that they're beyond help, they're not going to be convinced otherwise by trying this thing. Right, right. And and that's where, you know, whether you, what is that, that old quote, whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. I love when my, my daughter came home and told me that quote one day, like she had discovered it herself. But this is, so if you're tired of believing you can't, then choosing a few different stories might help you start to believe that you can. And that's when things start to change. And that that's another like key thing. And you know this, I mean, obviously, Amy, um, an amazing author, an amazing author. The title of a book is really important. And so when I was considering the title for this book, there was a moment where the question was, could it be change your story, change your life, right? Because that has a nice little right. flow to it. But this isn't about changing. You, you can't you can't change the stories, right? These things happen. There was a teacher who told you that your hair was messy, even though you had combed it, right? <laughs> We're not going back to try to pretend that that didn't happen. But we can choose how we see that story now. We can choose to just leave it behind altogether. Um, and that choice, that agency was, was really important in this whole process. Well, thank you for writing this book. I have no doubt you're going to help a lot of people. And I hope all of our listeners go pick up a copy of Choose Your Story, Change Your Life. Kendra Hall, thank you so much for being on our podcast. Oh, Amy, thank you so much for having me. 
Welcome to The Therapist Take. This is the part of the show where I'll break down Kindra's mental strength building strategies and share how you can apply them to your own life. Here are three of Kindra's strategies that I highly recommend. Number one, pay attention to the stories you tell yourself. As Kindra said, there are likely plenty of stories you've told yourself that you've accepted as truth, but many of those stories might not be helpful. Until you start paying closer attention to them, you won't even really realize what you're doing. You might tell yourself you could never be the kind of person who, then fill in the blank, the kind of person who succeeds, the kind of person who meets someone amazing, or the kind of person who has lots of friends. As long as you keep telling yourself that story, you aren't likely to make any of those things happen. So be on the lookout for stories like this, the kind of tales that reinforce the idea that you're not good enough or that you're not capable enough to create a better life. Number two, look for another version of the story. Kinder makes it clear we can choose our stories. You don't have to buy into that first story that you tell yourself, and you don't have to believe an old story that you've held on to for decades. You can look for another version of the same story. Even if you don't believe a different version yet, at least identify an alternative. Remind yourself that it's possible that the new version of the story is also true. Instead of thinking you're a loser for getting rejected for a new job three different times, tell yourself that you're resilient because you keep trying. Think about yourself as someone who's determined to keep going. Or let's say you helped arrange for a parent to go into an assisted living facility. One version of your story could be that you're not good enough because you didn't provide all the care yourself. Another version of the story is that you're a caring child who wants the best for their parent. Shifting your story can help you see that the first version you told yourself isn't necessarily fact. And number three, proactively tell yourself helpful stories. Start every day by telling yourself a positive, healthy story. Create a sticky note that says something positive and put it on the bathroom mirror. Or spend a few minutes every day telling yourself the story of how you've overcome adversity, survived tough times, and done things you once thought were impossible. Reminding yourself of this story will help you draw upon inner strength you might forget existed. Make it a habit to proactively think about this story every single day. You'll feel like a superhero who's ready to conquer whatever else life throws your way. So those are three of Kindra's strategies that can help you choose a different story. Pay attention to the stories you tell yourself, look for another version of the story, and proactively tell yourself helpful stories. If you want more information on how to change your narrative, check out Kindra's new book, Choose Your Story, Change Your Life. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com slash podcasts.